What is Crackalackin' Hardware Knox listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you with yet another episode this week. I didn't think I was going to go daily. I swore I was going to give myself at least Thursday or Friday off. And as of right now, I have planned to do a podcast on Friday. This is coming out on Thursday. I felt not inspired or even obligated, but I guess compelled to do a podcast on Redacted for Clicks. But before we get started, I just want to remind everyone, please, this is your first time checking out the podcast, throw us that permanent subscription. We have a lot of fun around a lot of fun around here. We do not take ourselves too seriously at Hardwood Knox. We try to thoroughly cover the entire league, but we also try and have just loads and loads upon loads of fun. Join our Discord. It is in the podcast description. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on all the socials, TikTok, Instagram. What else am I forgetting? TikTok, Instagram. Oh, Twitter. All those handles are in the podcast description or YouTube description if you stumble across there. Call this a podcast exclusive because I'm not going to post it on YouTube. I'm hoping it's going to be a short one because I guess it's a rant. But like I said, I just felt compelled to talk about the Knicks. There was hashtag discourse about their decision not to allow external media at Jalen Brunson's press conference. Uh Quick note, the shoes, the colorways, they were Nikes. I don't know what type of shoes they were, but that Jalen Brunson was wearing when he took photos in his uniform, those were fucking clean. And so if you, if that's maybe the nicest thing I'm going to say about the Knicks in this podcast, uh, I just want to get that out of the way. That Those shoes looked pretty freaking cool. I There are a lot of people that were outraged that the Knicks did not allow uh, external media to go to Jalen Brunson's press conference, including many people on the Knicks beat. Malika Andrews said something on... ESPN, Kendrick Perkins said, it wasn't that a a Nick thing. And then there was outrage at the outrage from, again, I'm not trying to paint any subset of people with a broad brush here, but there was outrage from a bunch of Knicks fans, a lot of Knicks fans. I won't say all of them. I I won't say the majority. I don't know how many it was, Um, but they were outraged at the outrage. They believe uh, that the Knicks are unfairly covered in the national media. They think that the beat stinks uh, when you look at the coverage. Uh, there's also, they did also though, to their credit, uh, they did call out, you know, great, great coverage like Nick film school, Jonathan Macri and Andrew Claudio do a fantastic job over there. Uh, they've both been on the podcast before you should go check them out. Um, there were shouts to Chris Herring who used to be on the Knicks beat and still will sometimes write about them, but he covers a league at a national level. He is one of the most informed writers period. Then Ian Begley, of course, of SNY does a great job over there. Uh, but there's critiques being thrown at Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News, Berman of the Post. Uh, there's uh, You can find it all on Twitter. And I waded into it because, look, a couple of things here very quickly as a disclaimer. I'm not viewing this as a moral high ground or soapbox by me. It's just something I'm compelled to talk about. I, one, also want to say that my job is not contingent upon having access and so this is not coming from that place i consider myself the national media i am not that uh i guess to some extent which i'll get into everyone's jobs are dependent on the people who do have access because they do provide material even if you're not acknowledging it for us to cover but when i did on-site stuff it took me a while uh i had to grow up and just admit to myself that my anxiety my insecurities just manifested in just this very toxic way that was taking a toll on me mentally physically psychologically emotionally whatever uh and when i had the opportunity to kind of move away from that and focus more on um the coverage where i'm giving opinions yes there's a lot of lists involved i'm podcasting more as well 
seized it and I don't, I don't regret it. My mental health is better for it. My point there is not for sympathy to play. Woe is me. It's just that I found out very early on reporting is, is not for me. I can't do the, um, the scrums. My anxiety gets, gets on tilt and goes to like a 27 out of 10 on that. Uh, I'm not built to do the side amble as Howard Beck calls it, because I feel like an intrusion upon everyone's lives. Um, I'm going to be, I'm not afraid to write certain things. And when I was around, not the Knicks, but other teams and, and wrote things. There was criticism from organizations that never bothered me. There was praise from organizations that also made me feel a little cringy because it felt like I was doing them a favor when that's not necessarily what I was supposed to be doing. I just didn't like the dynamic of it all. And so I get that this is complicated. And the final thing I'll say is that while people were dismissing me on Twitter uh, by I don't want to say, I don't even want to say implying I was being condescending, but one of the phrases uses that I'm punching at Knicks fans. Uh, and someone else had said, uh, I'm not considering uh, how fed up Knicks fans are with the coverage. I am a Knicks fan. I might be deadly disenchanted at points, but I am a Knicks fan. And so I don't know that that gives my opinion more weight here, but I don't think it's fair to dismiss me as someone else who's 10,000 feet away from the situation, even though I do cover the league at large. And just say like, oh, Knicks for clicks. Um, so that's trying to set the table there of where this is coming from. The fact that the Knicks did not allow access to this Jalen Brunson intro presser, it is a problem. It's at best not ideal. And it's even worse. I don't the, look the fan reaction, I get, and we'll we'll go more into that. But to see actual media members or quote unquote media members kind of come to their defense and say that this is not a Nick thing, um, that it's fine, that this doesn't matter. Anyway, that was really alarming to me. Um, and again, separate thing with the fans. I, I don't understand if you're a part of the media why you would feel that way at all, unless you're a Knicks fan and you feel like you've been jilted by the media, even though you're part of the media. Um, this is a Nick thing. Like They have always been among the worst organizations when it comes to access. And newsflash, it's not only the Knicks. You talk to people in NBA circles, you deal with certain teams. There are more of them. Another team in New York has absolutely sucked with that in the Brooklyn Nets. Maybe they've gotten better recently, uh, but they, they've blown with that as well. The Oklahoma City Thunder have always been notoriously difficult. Uh, it hasn't been talked about as much since Russell Westbrook left and you've moved into that era. The Spurs have always been incredibly tight-lipped, where if you want to try and speak with members of the team, it's like, well, you can contact their agents and like, you know how that whole runaround works. So it's not only the Knicks who are restrictive, they play in a bigger market. So they probably get more critiques. They've had less success over the past, I don't know, two decades or whatever than the thunder and the Spurs. So they're going to be under probably a tougher microscope, um, but they're not the only team that restricts access. And that's a problem to me because whether you appreciate it or not, I think some of the, criticisms and look this is fair there will be people who attend these things and by the way this is not the first time the knicks have done this and i think the most recent example of i don't i don't want to say that this for sure i don't remember them having like any draft night press conference and then they did the basically exit interview with with leon rose through i think i think it was mike breen and to have that type of policing of your media policy it's just lame and it's not you know it, it's probably in accordance um, within the rules of the NBA's overall media policy, but it's definitely just not um, jiving with the essence of it where it should be more open-ended. Uh, there are outlets that probably, even if there is a ton of access, I would still argue that um, there are certain podcasters or smaller outlets, independent writers who deserve access that they're not going to get 
Anyway, this is not perfect. So I'm not trying to say that it's perfect. But to continue along this pattern, I'm talking about the Knicks specifically. Um, yes, the fair critiques would be, well, there will just be people that ask questions that are meant to be leading that really aren't fair to the player and team. There'll be people that sit there and don't ask questions at all. Uh, I'll raise my hand there. I used to do that all the time, unless I could get one on one time with a player or a coach or whatever, uh, not the Knicks specifically, because I was just too, I was too much of a coward, whatever you want to call it. Yes, that will happen. There will also be the softball questions that don't mean anything. You're also not going to remember who asked certain questions that led to these really dynamic, awesome answers when it comes from a scrum or a media availability, introductory presser availability, whatever it is. That's also part of the point is that if you know your access to a team is contingent upon the type of things that you are saying, that's going to ruin the, the I don't want to say ruin. That's going to adversely impact the overall coverage of the team. And it can work one of two ways. Either you get outlets that will still be granted access and they're not going to ask the tougher questions or have the harsher analysis, or you're going to have people come over the top hyperbole on steroids and talk about how shitty this organization is and maybe say things that are absolutely unfair. That's why I think the media and team relationship, it's mutually beneficial. It's exposure, it's insight, it does draw up interest. You, you want to look at the genesis of trade rumors, transaction rumors that make the world go round, some of the um, team beefs that make the news cycle go around. If you don't like that stuff, fine. But there are people that are enamored by it, especially when it's not happening to their team. A lot of that is born from their just being accessed in general. When you look at some of the best um, you know, sourcing or even the best profiles or even just the best writers, where would they be, writers, reporters, where would they be if they didn't have the opportunity to be on site and then develop the relationships behind the scenes that you're not getting, the people that they're talking to outside of that introductory presser after it's over, before it happens. That stuff really does matter. And I'm not trying to paint what's happening in the NBA as some gross misjustice because there are bigger things, uh, greater things, more important things to actually worry about. But that is why restricting access to this point, being so limitative, is damaging. It adversely impacts the coverage, I think, from both ways. And the other thing here is, I'm not of the mind that the Knicks can't engage the outlets or the specific media members that they deem um, unfair, that they consider to be providing incorrect coverage, damaging coverage. Uh, why can't, you know, how many conversations do we know that the Knicks on the record or off the record that they're going to have with Berman of the Post, who's also, by the way, been used along with other reporters as a mouthpiece at times for the team. And so you can say you don't care about that type of coverage, but there is like a there is a rhyme and reason to why the access exists. And even think back to some of the your favorite quotes from a Knicks player this season um, or at any point. Do you remember who asked that? It's not always going to be the internal media who gets first uh, dab. At it. And there are even people that work for the team or the, you know, the like the MSG network now that have been critical in the past. I remember when I think it was Alan Hahn when he was with Newsday and I read him all the time, he was fairly critical of the organization's media policy. It's not just this instance. And the reaction that I got from fans when I said, and this is what I, I honestly just couldn't understand, uh, seeing fans heroicize what the Knicks were doing by restricting assets was ultra cringy. And the 
overwhelming sentiment I got back was, well, you're a fucking idiot. You just want them to ask questions about Donovan Mitchell and fake accountability. That's not what this is only about. One, yeah, they should be allowed to ask questions about Donovan Mitchell because there have been leaks coming out of both sides of those talks. It is topical. It's worth talking about. The Knicks, it's their prerogative not to answer it, but they should have to face Leon Rose specifically those questions. Part of Jalen Brunson coming to New York, this isn't ruining his intro to the team, to the city. It's asking him about maybe who he wants to play with. And that also is not the only point I'm making here. Um, there should be, you should be able to ask other questions about the mode of operations for the organization, the thought process behind certain moves, what they were thinking by pick loading, um, how they felt about the immediate reaction to what they did on draft night, which was, yeah, that was another over the top instance. You go back and sort of dig through it. They kind of deserve credit for what they did. I don't, I don't think it was damaging again. And anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm not a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Jalen Brunson. I mean, the contract in a different context is fine. I just don't like what this necessarily shows about the trajectory that the Knicks are trying to operate on. Again, they didn't do anything as of now that really hamstrung them down the line, like at all. I don't, I feel like some people also over celebrated what they did. Uh, we should look at, I saw someone tweeting about, well, you know, we should talk about how, how lucky they were, or how depth it was for them to get off some of those bad contracts. I don't really know if any of them were bad in a nutshell, but they were undoing moves that they already did. I don't know. I, I can respect them making that decision to cut their losses. And again, it wasn't this substantial opportunity cost unless you care about second round picks, which, you know, when you're giving up six of them, I, I kind of do. But in the aggregate, it was fine, but we don't also need to slobber and drool all over it. They, like we can, there's more, there's more nuance now to where we can understand both angles. And if there is disingenuous coverage of something, you can call it out. That's fine. But that's also to restrict access based on that. Um, it's going to hurt or restrict access to people that deserve it. And just to use like Ian Begley or Fred Katz of the Athletic, who does a great job. I'm also not a I'm not an advocate of, well, you should just allow certain outlets whose coverage you deem acceptable to get in there. There's already enough gatekeeping when it comes to NBA access. And whether you think this is the organization's end goal or not, doing so to that extent is borderline PR. Like that's what you're after. And I do think it's why the independent outlets are so important, but when they are fan-driven, there's always going to be a level of loyalty to the organization there that you're not going to get from more detached media, whether it's national or localized. And I think that's important, even if you don't agree with their coverage. Do I think that media members should be trolling fan bases specifically? No. It's why when I troll the Kings, I've, I feel like I've developed a good rapport with Sacramento Kings fans because my critiques and my jokes have been aimed firmly at the organization. I think Knicks fans deserve better than the fucking shit show that they've gotten over the past couple of decades. I also think that in the, in totality, this regime under Leon Rose while it's still very in, incestual um, relationship driven and not something I'm completely sold on, it's been better than a lot of the other regimes that the um, the Knicks have had. And this also, I think, you know, what we're not talking enough about is this is so ingrained into the Knicks culture. It doesn't matter who the beat writers are either. And so we could talk about the writers that you don't think should be there. Do you think that if we were only talking about John Macri and Fred Katz and Chris Herring was still there, if Zach Lowe was on the Knicks beat, if if we're just talking about those names, do you really think that this James Dolan controlled organization was would open things up? No, they wouldn't because they haven't. 
The closest I feel like the Knicks have come, you can correct me if I'm misremembering, when Donnie Walsh was kind of there, it felt like there was this level of transparency when they were going after LeBron and you saw the moves they were making and he was a little bit more welcoming with the media. It felt like that didn't also it, that that also was kind of a fleeting tenure, but like that was the last time you really felt like you had any insight into what the organization was doing. Is it the Knicks' responsibility to come out publicly and say their exact moves? No, no organization is doing that, and they can refuse to answer any question they want. They can answer it with non-answers, with empty, hollow platitudes um, that we learn nothing. That's still just part of the the experience of rooting for a team watching the NBA, and then every so often, even if you're getting insightful answers one out of 25 times, those insightful answers matter. And that's why I do think there is the mutually beneficial relationship to um, allowing more access. There's also, if, if you're allowing it and you're a more welcoming organization where your relationship with the media, it, and it's not just now. I want to make that clear. This is like predating when Azola was on the Knicks beat. It is ingrained into the Knicks that this is a combative uh, relationship with the media or that this is a combative market. It's why people talk. And I think it's lazy analysis that player X can't handle the, the spotlight in New York. Like, no, it's not, it doesn't have to be that way. And if you are a little bit more welcoming, I'd argue that the coverage would probably tilt towards an improvement of quality. I think it's fine. If you have an issue with the quality of coverage, I don't think the answer is then restricting coverage um, to specifically only internal media, but then really just getting even more selective than an already selective and I would argue um, exclusatory process can be. That's, that is like the media element to me, why I think it's still important. I don't think it's the media's job to tout the Knicks for acting like a normal organization either, even though there's value in that because Knicks fans have lived through a bunch of shit, including myself. So to see any sort of coherent plan, which I am skeptical is still necessarily still in place but to see evidence of that is encouraging and yet nothing should be miscontextualized my other thing there though is if you have a problem with certain types of coverage we live in an age where there are so many options that you can curate your timeline to how you see fit um if you don't like what espn is doing a few things i would caution it's different when you're covering one team versus the entire league or in the case of a stephen a smith every single sport and having to comment comment on everything that's just impossible he's not going to provide the same level of nuance as uh, someone who covers the entire league at large. And someone who covers the entire league at large is not going to pr provide the same granular analysis that a Jonathan Macri can at Knicks Film School when he's you know, that's he's specifically following the team. And that's not an insult to anyone at any level. And there are people who do a good job under those expansive umbrellas. I've had conversations with Macri and Claudio about other teams and players that are outside the Knicks. You could tell they've they're, they're really insightful. They don't need my approval, by the way. I'm just using them as an example for sort of the standard bearer for what great Knicks coverage looks like at this point. Zach Lowe having such a great hold on the entire league. Uh, even Look at Caitlin Cooper, Vindy Cornrose, and the draft breakdowns that she was able to do, and then contextualizing fits for players on, on other teams. And she's talked about the NBA at large for numerous podcasts and, and, and written about teams other than the Pacers. So there's, there's talent all around, and there's a level of nuance where people are really going to stand out. But you can't expect the same amount of coverage from a Stephen A that you're going to get from a Caitlin Cooper or from a, a Jonathan Macri. Like you can't expect that. That's unreasonable. And I'm not defending everything that ESPN or Stephen A or other sites, outlets, um, networks have done. Like I'm not trying to do that. But it's important part of the context. I will dunk on it on Twitter as a joke, but it's also not going to ruin my day even if they're trolling Knicks fans, because I have other avenues with which to explore 
and the people that know the team most intimately or care most about following the team, they're going to understand where the more nuanced coverage will be. And I like, I think that's fine. The other thing I will say, and I have more intimate knowledge of this, a lot of the coverage on a national level, on a local level is data driven. When you're for the most part, um, not doing it independently, like it's going to be based on, oh, well, this is what drew the most popular reaction or that's where the Knicks for clicks comes in, but the most views, the most clicks. Um, the entire name of the game right now is to in incite some sort of a response. Now, if you have a problem with that, it speaks to a larger issue, the overarching coverage. The Knicks are not the only team with a fan base that feels they're unfairly covered. And this is where I accidentally waded into the shit, and I didn't, I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I tried multiple times to give clarifiers. I'm not even trying to say I'm 100% right on this matter. I'm just here. I have the mic. I'm a schmuck communicating my opinion. But I tweeted, I'm actually stunned at how many, but not all, fans believe the Knicks are the NBA's most un unfairly covered team. And I also wrote emphasis on not all. Tell that to fans of Milwaukee, in parentheticals Giannis, OKC with Shea Gilders-Alexander, New Orleans with Zion, etc., who've endured rival teams and media and networks slobbering over the th thought of their current stars in other markets, in other jerseys. Look at Donovan Mitchell's a perfect example. And someone I didn't put this in there because I didn't want to engender even more of a reaction. I'm I'm not Mr. Engagement on Twitter. My my following is super small. Uh, I don't even know how many followers I have at this point. I think I have like 10.5k. And I've probably been stuck between 10 and 11 for like three years at this point. So I didn't think it was going to get super traction, but I didn't want to use this as an example. Donovan Mitchell to New York. That's been in the ether for years. Jazz fans have had to stomach it. And there are probably real issues that Mitchell has with the organization that are valid. That's fair. But those fans have still had to sit there and see Donovan Mitchell Photoshop the Knicks jerseys. We saw it with Zion Photoshop the Knicks jerseys. Every single player who doesn't play for the Lakers who's good gets Photoshopped into a Lakers jersey. And so these fans, look what just happened. I had a rant on the podcast the other day where the conversation somehow after Josh Kitty had a, a great summer league shifted to, again, not everywhere, but nationally it did shift. In some, uh, in, in, in some ways, too, well, would they consider trading Shea Gilgis-Alexander and selling high like the Spurs did with DeJounte Murray? SGA has not even played out the first season of a five-year extension that the Thunder gave him, that he signed. He said that he wanted to be with the organization at exit interviews. He talked about his relationship with Sam Presti. And look, hey, speaking of that, exit interview... Look at how valuable that stuff can be. That's probably a, a really cookie-cutter response, but you know that SGA is talking with Sam Presti, and to have that level of communication says how much respect the Thunder have for him, how engaged he is with the organization, what the team thinks he can be as a player, and how important they are. I'm not saying they'll never trade him, but it sure doesn't seem like they are actively shopping him. We don't need to treat smaller markets, I said this on the other pod, like farm systems for teams in you know more glamorous cities or just teams that are going to be talked about more. And then there are going to be teams. I see Knicks fans, uh, again, some, not all, and they you have a fair point. They're probably overexposed to Knicks coverage, and they think it's shitty Knicks coverage, that it's uh, the word would probably be, I'm trying to think of what the word would be here, that it's performative, that it's um, mocking the fans and not only just the team, but the fans. Again, I don't think it should be the job to, to mock fans uh, when we speak about fan bases, we need to be careful that there are these qualifiers where we're not generalizing everything and painting with such a broad brush. Uh, 
So I understand that, but there are teams that probably are annoyed. They're not getting more coverage outside of, you know, when we're talking about team X trading for their star who might want out because they are in, you know, Memphis or they're in Oklahoma city or new Orleans, as opposed to New York or LA Uh, there's, there are teams that are undercovered in that regard. Do you think that enough people, honestly, on a national level, we know the people that follow the team and cover the team are, are going to watch. But when we're talking, the NBA is is so it's I guess it's not unique. But when you're talking about a, when you have diehard fans of a team, like really diehard fans, you are going to have a pulse on the league or at least an interest in the rest of the league to some regard. How many people do you think were watching Thunder games, Rockets games last year, especially towards the end of the, the season? Pistons games. How many honestly? And I'm not accusing people of just not watching, but I'm saying that's where it's sort of the some of the ire fan base is born from that their teams don't receive enough attention or people are commenting on those teams without actually watching them or properly contextualizing their moves. I'm sure I've done it here. I try to watch every single team as much as possible, but I also understand that I need to defer and I need to read and I need to listen to podcasts and I need to hat tip and credit other people where their analysis is coming in. That helps me a ton in doing what I do. And there are probably national media members that don't, I would argue, respect localized coverage enough. That could be another sort of thing. There is the the rivalry between like national media members and then then more localized coverage. I just even fandom when you are given a license to in a good way, and I mean this in a good way, to be irrational, to overreact. Because when you really think about it, you are so attached, your emotions are so tied to what's happening in a game played by grown adults. The whole thing is kind of hysterical. I get that it's escapism and it's important, but like that, the idea of fandom in itself, the concept is irrational. That's great. That's fine. Every, every fan is going to think maybe their team is undercovered covered or underrated relative to um, relative to other teams or that they're unfairly covered. Like there's always going to be that element in there, but you also have to recognize it's not a, well, this is the worst, just flat out. No team has it worse than us. You think Kings fans think that they get a fair deal? There was an argument I saw on Twitter the other day. There was a, a writer who covers the Pistons that talked about how much he disliked Sacramento in relation to Detroit, I think. And that sparked this whole war uh, of words. So like, this is happening all over the place. The Knicks are not unique. If you have a coverage problem with the way the national media is doing it or the local media, get in line. And I'm not saying that you should take it on the chin and just move, move on. But you have to understand if you have, if you're not in a, like this isn't anomalous to the Knicks. And I think it's important to understand that. And I don't think the solution to it. Yeah. If you want to have a conversation about how broken the coverage of the NBA is at large, if that's what you believe, I'm absolutely here for it and we'll have it. But I don't think I always am going to argue that open dialogue is better unless it's detrimental to where people are being condescending. And yeah, I don't, I I didn't dunk on who knows if I even won, but I went a little bit towards the heated end of the spectrum on Twitter where someone accused me of not caring about um, the miles bridges, domestic violence case, because I was talking about the Knicks. Like, where are my tweets on that? That like that stuff is damaging, but open dialogue in general, like I should be allowed to convey this opinion and have a back and forth without feeling shamed for having said dissenting opinion or stop punching at Knicks fans. And I could be oversensitive to just the phrasing there as well, but I go out of my way to make it. I try to go out of my way or I think I go out of my way to say, I'm not painting 
his fan base with a broad brush or saying they can't feel this way or telling them how to fan. And if I don't get it back, then yeah, there's going to be times where I might go over the top or just be dismissive and, and stop answering because it's not worth it. Um, I, I just, I don't understand why we can't even acknowledge that much. And I, I think even some of the sentiment was, well, yeah, it's probably not ideal that the Knicks are so inaccessible, but we're just so fed up with the coverage in general. That's like, that's actually fine to admit. And I think it shows like a, a really productive self-awareness, but I don't think being frustrated with the coverage warrants being so, so starkly on one side of the spectrum to where you're just fine with there being such limited access that's impacting again, outlets or media members who do a good job covering the team and will adversely impact the product again on both sides of this equation. That's sort of where I land at that. And I, it's, it's just weird how okay a lot of fans seemed with what the Knicks did, even though it's become, and maybe it is because it's become the norm or they don't see the value in media. That's what a lot of people told me. I don't think at least I wasn't asking you to be mad on the media's behalf. I wasn't asking anyone to feel anything. My opinion was just that this is not the best way to run an organization. And I think that there are these larger implications extending beyond the Knicks where it gets damaging and we could see the coverage slip or skew too far in one direction or just too far outside of reality if this keeps up already, just the, the super prohibitive access when it comes to locker rooms now post COVID, I understand that. I think some teams have taken advantage of the way that they've conducted um, interviews since then. I, I don't, I don't think any medium member needs to be self-righteous necessarily about this, but if that's your job and your job is to some extent prided on access access as it is for the, the coverage of, of beat writers specifically. Yeah. You really should be pissed off that the Knicks, especially when you're working for these sort of um, legacy publications. And if they're, if the Knicks have an issue and I'll just reiterate this, if the Knicks specifically have an issue with how their team is being covered in a way that they think is unfair, criticism does not count as being unfair, by the way, saying the Knicks should be more welcoming of not just legacy publications, but also independent publications. And I know they've sort of opened up the door a little bit to some, but as much as I love the fan driven publications like you also need people who are a little bit more removed from the situation in my opinion and i say that as an actual knicks fan too but the knicks can speak like nothing is stopping them from having a dialogue whether it's off the record on the record and yeah on the record can settle things you don't have to be petty about it because you're going to get dunked on if you start being super contentious in press conferences and the the other thing ask the players how they feel about berman of the post and see if he, he actually really pisses them off see the answer is probably Mitchell Robinson tweeted like Berman, you need to chill or whatever it was on Twitter when uh, Berman of the post pointed out that the Knicks didn't let people uh, external media into the uh, Jalen Brunson uh, presser. That's like, it didn't seem like he was angry. It just seemed like he was making a joke. And so I don't think just from what I understand that the players, at least in the, in the macro, I'll use that word again. Like, yeah, on certain nights, you're probably pissed off, but in the aggregate, I don't think that they despise the Knicks media as much as the fans despise the Knicks media. And do I think that the genesis of um, of that view among many Knicks fans is warranted? If you Again, if media outlets or if you feel like they are actually trolling you or they're being dismissive of your thoughts and opinions 
Um, that's absolutely a fair stance to take because we forget that the fans, as and I'm saying this as someone who does cover the league at large, sometimes we can forget like that's who we're covering the league for. That's who we're trying to have a discussion with. I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want people thinking I have an agenda to where I'm purposely ranking their favorite team lower on the competitive spectrum just because I want to incite rage. I also don't want them to think that I'm just, you know, being one-sided and saying their team should trade all their good players for shitty players. That's something the Orlando, not the, some Orlando Magic fans have said about me on stuff I've written and, and about this podcast. That's not what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I don't think this is a matter of, oh, the media is being too self-righteous and wants us to feel bad for them. It's that they're complaining about their jobs getting harder, their jobs being adversely impacted, and their jobs being dismissed quite frankly. And I do think that's a fair stance to tank uh, take. I don't think you need the empathy of the fan base, but I don't really appreciate the sentiment among any, any fans, however large of a portion it is that the media doesn't matter or that the Knicks are totally right to do what they did. And this goes so far beyond, you know, Oh, they just wanted to keep it about Jalen Brunson. No fuck off with that take. Honestly, that's as condescending as I'll be. This isn't just about Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson. And if you have a problem with negative um, coverage or tough questions, like that's just sort of the nature of this business. I'm not resigned to coverage staying the same. I want to make that clear. I have adapted the way that I cover the league. There are people that should do a better job of adapting the way they cover cover the league. I should do a better job of adapting the way that, that I cover the league. But we can't pretend that as Knicks fans, you can't pretend that this is only happening to you. No. Every team has a problem. Every team's fans or a, a subset of their fans has an issue with the way their team is covered. And I think a lot of those points, including some of the ones that Knicks fans made, are fair. I just don't understand why we can't compartmentalize this better. I think that I, that's where I sort of wind up. I don't begrudge any fan base for having real issues with coverage, but I'm also not a fan of extremis- extremism and absolutes in, in when they're being conveyed with sincerity. Like if you're being over the top as a joke and people can't detect that, that's kind of on them. Uh, if people don't understand that Twitter isn't always the place for nuance, that's going to be on them too. I'm not a fan of the sentiments that verge on, we have it the worst, or you disagree, so you're attacking us. And this is, look, this is not, I wrote this on Twitter, I'm not trying to be a serial well-actuallyist here. Um, every form of coverage is going to exist for a reason. Negative, positive, over the top incandescence draws eyeballs favorable reporting helps access but there are also enough different forms of coverage that you can curate the ones you're consuming and enjoy the most and i also look i think it's unreasonable to have a uniform idea of good coverage some people really want the x's and o's the nitty-gritty of the rotation other people want to know about player stories and profiles and the work ethic they're putting behind the scene or why they might be struggling about something some people just want a more generalized overview they want the gamers they want the the interviews um, or the, the post-game pressers to get a sense of the team. They want to talk about trades and transactions and free agency and cap space. They want to talk about the hilarious stuff or the off, off-court drama or what Mitchell Robinson is posting on his IG stories. Everything, so long as it's not actively detrimental or mean, is I think that's fine. And if you think that Stephen A is a Knicks fan plant at ESPN – and that they're capitalizing on that by means of demeaning Knicks fans, I I will listen to it. I think that you're probably assigning too much forethought to what goes into that process. If you're thinking there's a reason that network, the ESPN, that 
other networks that uh, Fox Sports that all these all these websites that these articles come out where they're really focusing on the Knicks, the Lakers, the bigger markets. That's what's going to draw the most eyeballs. And yeah, that that does kind of suck that we're so beholden to those metrics. That doesn't mean that what's happening to your team is criminal. It also doesn't need to be personal to where I think that when media members actually are criticizing the organization, and granted, I did criticize some, I criticized part of the fan base's reaction. I thought it was cringy how they left to the Knicks organization's defense. But when the criticism is aimed at the organization itself, it doesn't, it's not also aimed at the fans unless they said, fuck the Knicks organization and fans. If we're criticizing the Knicks for their media policy, it's not something that fans are obligated to come and defend. I get that will be a part of fandom when you're talking about moves and transactions, but this is veered too far off the rails in general. And again, it's not just the Knicks. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of NBA coverage can feel that way sometimes. I think Lakers fans feel that they're probably unfairly covered at this point. So that's where I landed on the Knicks stuff. I know I was sort of rambling, but I wanted to get those thoughts in a podcast form. I don't even know if I'm going to promote this podcast because uh, insofar as people will listen to it, I don't know that I necessarily want to deal with the backlash. I'm just, I'm not a fan of carrying so much water for an organization that frankly has not earned it. If it's, it's more about how you feel, about the coverage of the fan base itself rather than the organization. Um, I, I get it, but I think we still need to be able to admit uh, that a, a fan or a national media member, but even a Knicks fan like myself, having a dissenting opinion, being treated as like a borderline traitor or people just assuming you're not a fan uh, or that you have an agenda or being condescending, I don't think that's fair either. It's not a woe is me thing. That's just my thoughts on it. And I'm not trying to come off as pious here is the final thing I'll say. Uh, thank you for anyone who made it through all of this. If this is your first time checking us out, consider following us on social media. All the handles and whatnot are in the podcast description. Join our Discord where we have a bunch of respectful and instructive and informative and thought-provoking conversations. The link to that is in the podcast description as well. Uh, you can also, as I mentioned, throw us that permanent subscription and come return. Talk with me. I'm on Twitter at Dance Valley as well. Until next time, and as always, and boy, do I miss when all of us Knicks fans could have come and rallied together around the injustice that was his inconsistent role in playing time. The legend, Frank Mueller.